We need to open our eyes. We need to listen. And we need to realize we all have a voice and we need to use it. That's what B Corp allows us to do. From Deergo Collective, this is Responsibly Different. Sharing stories of certified B Corporations and our journey of joining them in leveraging business as a force for good. I'm Ben Marine, and in this episode, I hopped on the phone with Mary Allen Lindman of a local favorite, Coffee by Design. Coffee by Design serves up more than just coffee, though. Their coffee houses have been gathering spaces for community and local events for over 20 years. Mary Allen shares with us the story of Coffee by Design, the importance and power of being a B Corp, and how you can change the world one cup at a time. You know, B Corp is still fairly new, but it really serves an important um, missing element, if you will. Uh, I've been in business long enough that we used to call it social responsibility. And there were organizations like Maine Businesses for Social Responsibility, which over the years were very formative for us and then for various reasons no longer continued. And, And so B Corp isn't something new. But what's important about it is it's circling back to what for some of us were core values of our business and and really enabling us to have a third party certification that doesn't just meet one end of our business. It's not just an organic certification or something specific to our industry. It's more global. It's about how do we all live well together on this planet and how do we actually hold ourselves accountable? Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's so, so important. Mm -hmm. So to kind of get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you discovered a passion for coffee? Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting when I tell people they assume, and I'm doing more and more public speaking about uh, me personally, and it's been through the lens of coffee by design for a very long time. And so when I tell people things like my degrees in poetry, my minors in women's studies and African-American studies, and they always assume, wait a minute, business and coffee, how does this happen? And, and I think what's really important is people know that, you know, I came to coffee sort of in a roundabout way and the name Coffee by Design, which my business partner and Alan and I came up with many, many years ago, I have to tell you, it was a name we came up because it felt right to us, but it now really defines who we are, the product, the idea is crafted, one of a kind, made for you, you know, unique. The arts are very important to us. So the way I came into coffee actually had to do with the recession in Maine in 1988. And I'm originally from New York. So here in Maine, we joke about you'll always be from away. And and I really think that's helped me in much of the work that I do now with, with immigrants um, because and they hear that I feel like I'm from away and yet Maine is one of the best places you can live in the world. There's a connection. But my business partner and I were here in the 1980s. He's originally from here. And we actually were young professionals and could tell that the way the economy was going, that our professions were not necessarily going to be well supported. And at that point, our downtown in Portland, Maine was 40% vacant and getting worse. And so... We made the decision at that time to leave Maine and really looked at other parts of the country that we felt could sustain um, my careers in marketing, is is landscape architecture, environmental planning. At that time, Seattle was not as well known. 
San Francisco was. We had a coin. One side was San Francisco, one was Seattle, and the coin landed on Seattle. And we landed in Seattle, Washington in 1989. And for many reasons, it was the right decision. Number one, because specialty coffee was very new and Starbucks was not as well known as it is today. But also the week we moved, there was the San Francisco earthquake of 1989 and life would have been very, very different. And so I've, the older I get, the more I realize uh, life presents opportunities to you. And it may not be what you thought it would be or expected, but all of a sudden you're introduced to something you'd never planned. And in my case, we were in Seattle. I'm a marketing specialist. I went to work for an advertising agency. Alan went to work for a landscape architecture, actually engineering firm. And we spent three years in Seattle and were moving up the corporate ladder, doing what people traditionally would call very well. And I had the good luck to, number one, when we would come back and forth and visit family who were here in Maine and see that our economy was not coming back, but then presented by my agency, because I was head of new business, explore the specialty coffee industry. There's something going on and we're interested by it. And coffee by no means is anything new, um, but there's something happening. And so I would bring my research home and Alan, who was very interested in land use, became fascinated with uh, coffee farming and different communities around the world. And I eventually did land the Torrefazione Italia account for my agency. And it really showed us there was this industry that was growing. It was interesting. It was global. It had to do with land use. How do we actually treat the land respectfully? How do we look at people who were in economies that were struggling the way that our economy back in Maine was? And so there was this connection made. And so we had to make a choice. Do we stay in Seattle where we are traditionally doing well? Or do we actually look at doing something else? And Alan actually was the one who said, I have to do something in coffee. And so we made the decision to leave Seattle and the goal was to open at that time, I think about it, it was 1992 when we moved back um, and we wanted to come back to Maine and people said, this idea will not fly. It's not a sophisticated enough market there. It won't be supported. And as hard as that was to hear, it really helped us understand better what entrepreneurship is, what are the skills that are necessary, that can-do attitude. We spent an additional couple of years traveling around New England. What was going to start as a coffee cart, it started to really evolve into something much larger and that a coffee house is an opportunity for people to come into a space and actually enjoy a great cup of coffee but discuss what's going on within community. And so we looked in, we were in Vermont, we were in Providence, Rhode Island, we looked in Boston and, and working on a business plan, researching. And at that time, imagine no cell phones, no computer, everything is by mail, all the information you're getting. And so we really started to develop a plan. And I laughed because someone found a letter I wrote recently, I was supposed to be part-time in the business and then pursue these, uh, other goals I had of uh, counseling, working with people on community and through the, uh, through the arts, I was gonna help people uh, and become a counselor. And friend called, said there's a perfect location for you in the pornography district of Portland. 
And so we go look and we see the space and we end up renting the space in the pornography district. And I think what's really important is for people to realize these labels we give things. And there was a neighborhood there and still is. And a number of other small businesses were there locally owned. And so it was a really exciting time for us to realize here was a neighborhood. And here was a neighborhood that had been forgotten and the rest of this downtown had been forgotten, but there were these pockets. And so we ended up renting the space and I very quickly within 24 hours was full time, fully engaged. And we opened our first coffee by design in what was then the pornography district. Now mm -hmm. the arts district of Portland, Maine. The thing that we realized from day one, because we had projected 25 customers would come through the door, 250 people showed up. And so it showed us there was this need for a community gathering place. And I think about over the years, and that's where, as we get into talking about B Corp and what was important, there are all of these different social issues that would come into the coffee house. You know, we went from, you're in a deep recession and here people are enjoying a really great cup of coffee and we were preparing it in a way that had not been done here in Portland. And people made an assumption that people wouldn't appreciate or understand or pay for or even know how to pronounce the different drinks. And what we realized is you meet people where they are. There were people who had traveled and of course they knew what a macchiato was, a true macchiato. And there were people who they didn't know what was it called but this is what it looks like and they would try it and they knew that this actually tastes really good and so it's an indulgence but it tastes good and it really makes my day feel like I've treated myself to something special and so we really started with the mission being creating community and representing our local community but also these amazing farmers we work with and in the early days we didn't roast our own coffee we were buying from the west coast and so pacific northwest actually and and so as our, as more and more we evolved and in the early days, our early customers were Bosnian refugees. And I tell people, we, we sort of have come full circle. The very first customers being these refugees from the Bosnian war who landed in Portland, Maine, and they were looking for a little something that reminded them of home. And here was really good espresso. And so we could have conversations. And the vision was that we would have a very diverse customer base. And we thought, oh, that'll take several years to have all these people feel comfortable in the same place. And within six months, I remember looking around and I saw, you know, people from Bosnia and I saw people from our art museum down the street. And I saw people who are on fixed income and they're all here sharing this product together and engaged in the same space. And it showed me coffee is this great uniter. And so our mission really became a great cup of coffee and a whole lot more. Um, you'll hear me talk about, you can change the world one cup at a time. These all formed the basis of who we are. And we did have a mission statement to begin with. And then we eventually had a vision statement of who do we want to become as the years went on. But, but through our doors, you know, it started with refugees and then it was AIDS awareness. We had an AIDS project across the street and, People didn't, they don't re realize now that AIDS still is happening. And at the time, if someone was standing next to another customer they didn't know, and they look like they might have AIDS, um, trying to put people's mind at ease, 
having me know that that's Ben and Ben's a regular customer and Ben, how do you like your coffee today? The person next to them suddenly isn't feeling as uncomfortable anymore. And so starting to see again in very subtle ways as a business, if we say that everyone is welcome at our table, how do we show that in small ways? And so it went from AIDS awareness to then our uh, mental health organization, AMHI, the Augusta Mental Health Institute, institution, people who'd been institutionalized their whole lives. All of a sudden, there was deinstitutionalization, and they were now on the streets of our town. And these were people who had been cut off from basic living. And so now they're in our coffee house, and their counselors are bringing them in. And it's so lovely to see. And we don't know what the relationship is. But all of a sudden on the weekend, these, they're called consumers, not clients, they would come on the weekend because they felt comfortable in our space, but all of a sudden they're anxious because the counselor's not there. And so there would be these behavioral issues. And so how do we let them know you're welcome here, but how do we communicate what the expectations are so that they understand the, and I had to learn this. We had, and again, this is where I've learned, don't be afraid to ask for help. We don't know it all. I'm not a trained counselor. And and so really looking around our community and realizing there are people here to help us because this is our goal, but how do we get there? And so having a trainer come in and talk to our staff about how do you communicate effectively if someone's having an episode and you don't understand it, but they're sitting in the chair and you're looking down at them, that's very threatening. So get low so that you're looking at them in the eye and do not dehumanize them. Don't tell them the behavior is acceptable because it's not in our environment to be screaming at people or throwing coffee. It's not acceptable. And so how do you make sure someone understands expectations and make an offer that I'm not trained, but is there someone you'd like us to call? And then their counselor, in many cases, we had a phone list of people and they couldn't disclose those were their clients. But we'd say, if by chance you happen to know... <laughs> They might need a little extra support today. And so it just really sort of turned our business into so much more than we ever imagined. You can't put this in a business plan. The coffee part, and that is really hard work, and we're so committed. Quality coffee, important pricing, challenging things like fair trade. It was very controversial we didn't get certified fair trade. But we were meeting with farmers who explained we believe in everything fair trade is saying, but we're not included in the pricing conversation. And the price that we're being offered, maybe it's better than the C market because coffee's traded on the commodity market. Maybe it's slightly better than that, but it's not paying for what's being asked of us. And the way fair trade was established early on, there was no reward for quality. So why would someone spend extra time, energy, effort making better quality if they're getting the same label on a package that's someone who isn't. And so there were all these very interesting conversations. And so what we realized is we were buying coffees that were fairly traded, but we weren't allowed to put the sticker on our bag. And also fair trade required you belong to a cooperative. We had these amazing estate farmers. I use the example of Oswaldo Acevedo, a farmer we work with in Colombia, who we've been buying from. Amazing product. We were paying way above uh, fair trade pricing built the church, the school, had pension plan for his workers. Well, our customers wanted fair trade. And so we switched to a fair trade Colombian. It wasn't as good. The, the co-op was not getting as much money. And we started realizing 
we need to better educate our customer. Even though our sales grew because people were buying the fair trade one, and we could we could say we couldn't say fair trade certified. We could say fairly traded, even though we were paying the fair trade price. And so we actually realized we had this amazing relationship with a farmer doing great things. And so we stopped buying the fairly traded coffee, brought Oswaldo's back in, and realized it is our job to educate the customer. They need to understand why should you care, what the issues are, and a sticker on the bag is not telling you the whole story. The storytelling is our job. And so we went from there. So we started as a business really reinforcing our local economy and trying to be part of that. And I'm very proud of, you know, we're co-founders of First Friday Art Walks in Portland, the time when the arts community was not supported. I'm co-founder of Portland by Local letting people know support locally owned business, more money stays in your local economy. Um, women standing together, really making sure women business owners feel supported. These are all things that came out of this little coffee shop in Portland, Maine. And then our coffee house grew to another coffee house. And then ultimately another coffee house when we started to roast coffee. And what was really gratifying is our city approached us because the third location was actually going to be only a roastery. And before we opened, the city approached us and asked us if we would consider opening a retail component. Because somehow in opening our coffee houses, it was a little bit of an economic stimulus and other businesses then would open around us. And we chose neighborhoods that were those gems of neighborhoods we felt that they were forgotten by many. And just the sense of pride in the neighborhoods, a place they could gather, that someone was investing in their community. And these are neighborhoods very close to each other. But we agreed with the city to open a coffee house. Now I'd be smarter. I'd ask for a tiff or something to help pay for it. Um, we opened our third location on a credit card and, uh, and we're roasting. And so we, our goal was to transition roasting. And, and uh, even part of the goal of roasting our own was having more say in who are we buying from, quality, negotiating the pricing better, making sure that we're telling their story, we're in direct contact with people, you know, still working with importers, but importers who understood that the connection we have with the farmers and co-ops, there needs to be a direct connection to it. And, and so we, we started roasting and thought it would take at least a year to transition to all of our own coffee. Within three months, we were fully roasting our own. Within six months, um, we had a goal of having wholesale at some point. Within six months, we were asked to pitch to what was then and is still one of the top restaurants in the country here in Portland. We were asked to present. Um, Alan, my business partner, went, presented as a learning opportunity. We were invited back, and we ended up landing the account. Um, and there's still an account now, you know, 20, I don't know, 25 years later, 24 years later. And we didn't know, not only would we get their top number one restaurant, but the number two restaurant in the state they owned also. So we got number one and number two restaurants as our first accounts. Um, and that was working very closely with chefs in menu development and how do you finish a meal with the perfect cup of coffee. So you know, I think all of this is really important background because under all of this all along was um, we were members of Maine Businesses for Social Responsibility and, and the three-legged stool, how do you look at people and the environment and profit, how do you look at all of them together and letting people know we're a for-profit entity. 
but how we choose to make our money and how we use to spend it. That's the point of difference. And, and Mebser was really, really important to us because we were surrounded by like-minded people. And, and even when we were writing our business plan, there were books like Paul Hawken. He wrote a book on growing a business, which was the first time we'd really heard the words social responsibility. And Paul Hawken, at the time, no one had heard of social responsibility, mm -hmm. really. And there was a social venture uh, network group that was forming, and there were other companies. And Paul Hawkins saw businesses who were doing things a little differently. I mean, you look at his book, and he we actually paid a lot of money for his VHS series at the time. Um, he, the businesses he identified were Ben and Jerry's and Patagonia. And, and we just saw these businesses, and we said, we want to be like them. Like, other people are doing it, and we can do this. And so really looking at, as we grow, how do we always have that lens? Is everything we see through that lens of it's about how do we treat one another, our community, the people who work with us, the farmers we buy from? How do we look at the environment? How do we do a better job always? You know, our, our stand on, on justice issues now, it's amazing that things that we did early on and how can we even do a much better job you know, I always thought we were doing a really good job. All of us can do better and make sure because these issues still exist. They're not gone. We now know this very well. Um, so all of us need to do a better job. So it's, it sort of went from our local community. And then we started traveling a lot to coffee farms and looking at how can we have impact there. And then I tell people five years ago, for me personally, it really did come full circle because we were engaged with immigrant community here, but it went even deeper when we brought a coffee in from Burundi. And we work very closely with the Women's Coffee Alliance, the IWCA, International Women's Coffee Alliance. And I started traveling and getting a better sense of what's the role women play in coffee. And the organization is not just about supporting women, but if you support women, you support, support entire communities in coffee countries here in America too. And so we started looking at buying IWCA coffees and had the chance to buy a coffee from Burundi. And we had just um, purchased a very large facility where we're going, we're going to have a showcase roastery coffee bar and we could actually do events. And so perfect timing of bringing in this coffee. We had our Diamond Street location and I found out the woman who was our contact, the woman who started the IWCA chapter in Burundi was actually gonna be on the West Coast in the US at a conference. And we approached her about, why don't you come to Maine? We'll fly you to Maine and we'll do a welcome ceremony for the coffee. And as I was planning this, and I was actually on the West Coast at the same conference and I'm planning it and someone said, why don't you have the Burundi representative in Portland? And who knew we had a Burundi representative in Portland, Maine? How many people have heard of Burundi? <laughs> and so I'm emailing this representative and, well, if you have the Burundi representative and someone from Burundi and the coffee, you have to have the drummers. Well, where am I going to get drummers? You don't know we have Burundi drummers in Maine? I didn't know we had Burundi drummers in Maine. So I'm contacting the drummers. So as you can imagine, this is turning into a pretty interesting experience, this event. And I'm flying back from the West Coast and uh, getting ready for the event. And the Burundi representative emails me, who am I, who am I introducing? And I send him her, her CV thinking he wants just for his notes. And he said, no, no, I have to make sure politically she's not motivated coming here. 
because last year someone came to Maine and documented who the asylum seekers are here and sent that information back home. And we have families still there who are at risk. I need to know who you're bringing here and if I do want to greet her. So I sent him the resume and he emails me back, we're okay. She's my biology teacher from 25 years ago. I didn't know she was still alive because of what was going on there. And in that moment, I said, I think we're about to have magic happen here. We're about to have our world come full circle. And so Isabel, the representative arrives. She sees the Burundi drummers out in front of our business performing for her. And she sees Alain Nehimana, whose immigrant welcome center I am now in. Alain and I from that event became very close friends. He had a vision, he's an asylum seeker. He had a vision to start an organization for the professional asylum seeker immigrant who's coming here to America. And how do we integrate them in ways that utilize the fact they speak seven languages. English might not be one of them. We need to get them citizenship. We need to get them to vote. We need to let them know they can open businesses. That all came out of a coffee welcome ceremony just a few years back. It opened my eyes. And then I was supposed to go to Burundi that year. And from the time we did that event in April to the summer, the leader of Burundi refused to step down. And what had already been a bad situation became worse. And so I was not able to travel, but I did the year later. Still unsafe, but I had an opportunity to travel. And it was the first time I realized how small our world is. And again, this is where all of this relates back to things like B Corp, holding ourselves accountable. We are one world. I'm in a really remote, remote region of Burundi, and I'm used to when people ask where I'm from, and I say Maine, and they want to know, is that America? In this case, I said, I'm from Maine, and the woman in the field said to me, by chance, are you from Portland? And she has kids here in Portland. And could I bring gifts back to her children? And then I met people's uncles, and I mean, it was just, by the end of the trip, I was I had a duffel bag of gifts to bring back to people and let them know that I had met their family. And it showed me each of us touches each other's lives. In my case, it's coffee. Again, it really showed me you can change the world one cup at a time, but it's the choices we make. It's how we engage with each other, how we share our stories, how we experience humanity and things like B Corp hold us accountable because you can say a lot, but prove it. That's just amazing and incredible. What an incredible journey. I, I'm curious, how, how did you hear about B Corp? You know, it's interesting because when main businesses for social responsibility folded and there still are um, social responsibility chapters around the country, I think with Maine, it was interesting. A decision was made to separate the advocacy arm with the more educational arm. And I think that was not necessarily a good decision because then people really felt you needed both together. But, but we really felt lost as a business because we were doing what we were doing and we were getting other certifications and really coming up with our own criteria. But, but things like fair trade, we still are not certified fair trade. We are certified organic, but it's interesting. Not everything we do is organic because for various reasons, farmers either can't afford to get certified. I mean, it's expensive. I feel very fortunate we're here in Maine because farmers here get it. 
there are farmers here who can't afford to get certified. For us to get certified, it's very expensive. It's cost prohibitive for a smaller roasting company to do it. And, and, and the, the process to every year to get reviewed is very labor intensive. You know, we know it's very important that it be very stringent, but for a smaller business to have the time to really even go through the annual review is challenging. But we always kept saying, so we developed our own buying criteria. And I'm very fortunate that people, we've been in business long enough, it's 26 years now that people may not understand exactly what we do, but they somehow have said to us, we trust you enough at this point. Um, you are transparent, you share your stories, but we, we really wanted a third party to actually sort of say yes and, and found that there was quite a bit available that was coffee specific, but we wanted something that was more comprehensive. And so as we started to see B Corp come on the scene, you know, it was really informal. Um, there are different publications I subscribe to, obviously different um, organizations we belong to. And I started seeing B Corp come up quite a bit and felt very strongly that this might be exactly what we were looking for because it addressed the full spectrum of who we are as a business. Extremely rigorous process but also would give us a benchmark of where we can improve. And so we did, um, and I have to say it's, and I appreciate anyone who's going through the process now, it's really hard <laughs> and, you want, and you want it to be really hard, but does it have to be that hard? <laughs> I mean, it's a full-time job. And, and so we actually, we sort of went through the process and, I had to have a staff member who eventually I had to dedicate a chunk of her time and my time. And there are numerous, we kept thinking, oh, we're done. And we would send in the information. They would come back with more questions. And um, it was really complicated. And, and then we started seeing who else in Maine. There weren't that many businesses here in Maine. Um, I think there are two people ahead of us. And it's interesting, another coffee company, and we were both applying at the same time. But and then B Corp itself was so overwhelmed with interest that we laugh about it now because the date of when it shows we were certified versus when another organization was here in the state, they forgot to notify us that we had been approved. And so we hadn't sent our check because we didn't know we'd been approved. So our date shows later than they actually had approved us that year. But um, but it was really looking at the other organizations who you know, had gone through the process and Revision Energy here in Maine, we really respect and we'd had some solar panel work done with them and um, Margo at Maine Works, an amazing visionary leader in workforce development, people who have been incarcerated or have various st stigmas attached to them. She's extraordinary B Corp business. And we were really felt strongly. We want to be aligned with these people. And B Corp is not well known, still isn't, but I have to say, there's more interest and more awareness now. But so we did go through the process and then actually hosted an event at um, our Diamond Street location for people who were B Corp certified. And at that time, I think there ended up being five of us in Maine. I think two more people have come on board now, but did an informational meeting so people would understand what it is and if they were interested. And probably the biggest question is, how can I dedicate the time? It's a lot of work and changing your corporate documents to make sure that they comply. And if anyone decided to sell their business, is that enforceable? 
And so we had an attorney there because technically it's not enforceable, but why would anyone want to buy someone's business, which is based on these values, if you're going to buy it and then completely change what's core to a company? Um, so it was, it was a very rigorous process. And then they actually, because B Corp, you know, became so overwhelmed, what was supposed to be a two-year process where we would then get recertified, they then changed into a three-year um, certification. But but what's been interesting to us in following how B Corp is evolving, um, more and more having us be sure that we're including that logo, that not unlike us with farmers and verbalizing their stories and what their needs are, we need to raise awareness. And so more and more making sure that we have the B Corp sticker everywhere on our packaging, in our materials, in our advertising. People are calling us more and more now because there is more awareness and people who are either interested in getting certified themselves or people who want to buy from B Corp certified businesses or other B Corps because there aren't that many of us in discussing how can we work better together to raise awareness or buy each other's products. Um, we did, and I'll tell you, re, uh, you would think recertification was gonna be easier. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, it's it's um, heads up, be prepared, it's more difficult. Um, the, thing, uh, the, 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 the thing that I think is important to know is a couple of things is it should be hard B Corp itself is growing really fast. When you hear the number of applications they have, it's it's overwhelming for them. Um, we recently actually requested, we did get recertified, but we requested a meeting with B Corp corporate because they decided randomly, we couldn't figure out why our recertification was even more difficult. I mean, extremely more difficult than our initial certification. And then discovered they had recertified us our initial certification was through the lens of manufacturing, which is where we believe we should be. They recertified us to agriculture. And so where that's complicated is we buy numerous micro lots. We work with many farmers. And so how do we actually document what you're asking of for dozens of farmers? So we were running around and having to not only get documentation, but translate it and kept on asking, are you sure we're supposed to be in this category because we're looking at other coffee roasters who are similar to us and they're still manufacturing. But we got through the process and the thing that is we had to share with them when we've since had a meeting and they're actually gonna revisit um, and where this is important is resources available for businesses like yours. Um, we did get recertified, but what we had to explain to them is we had worked really hard from when we were first certified and had made so many improvements. We were doing a really good job. We were doing even better. But in the new category, we actually scored lower than we had before. And so we were still approved and we had to explain to them, first of all, how do we go back to our staff who have worked so hard and make them feel good? All that work and we've scored lower and for that consumer who is looking for a B Corp business, if they pull up coffee roasters, they're going to see people who are being scored through a different set of questions who are scoring, in some cases, 20 points higher than us. And that's huge in B Corp. 
And so, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot for sure. It's a lot. So it's, so it's been an interesting process in not only for us, but in educating B Corp. And so we were very fortunate. The university of New Hampshire has a B Corp program and which is great. And so through Fiona, she made an introduction and invite. We've met now with the, the larger B Corp people to actually explain our concerns, not only from we need to be on the same playing field with other B Corp businesses, but also the university has a great internship program. And so we were approved to have an intern work with us this fall because my next step was we have three years before recertification. I want to look at our questions and scores and have a benchmark now to improve and engage my team. So we're all working towards improving our scores. But if it's through the agricultural track and they switch us back to manufacturing, I've just wasted an intern's time and my staff are gonna get frustrated again, which I fully understand. I'm frustrated. So I think with B Corp, it's extremely important. I think that any opportunity to have an intern on board, go for it. Um, we, we did for our recertification, I actually did bring an intern in to help us. Um, had no idea how complicated. Mm. She was actually gonna help us get recertified and then help with the benchmarking. I mean, we got through certification and actually she had gone back to college and we had to continue having her work with us and it was a paid internship. It was an expense that we had not counted on. But at that point felt it was so important that we finished the job. So really, if you have an opportunity, there are students who do extraordinary work to help you through this. Because again, no sooner do you finish, you think a question, then a drop down menu comes with 10 more questions. Um, and again, it's all good, but it's really hard when you're trying to stay in business now, even more so with COVID. I said to someone, it's, you know, we want to do all the right things, but if you've got five webinars on social justice I need to attend this week, you're making me choose between staying in business or a really important webinar, but can that, can it be recorded? Because I'll watch it later at night. I cannot do it during certain hours because I have a very lean staff. And I don't want to bring more people in until I can make sure they're safe. And I want to make sure they have jobs. Yeah. I'm curious how long, because, so we're just kind of ankle deep in our own process of, of becoming certified. I'm curious how long did that pro and I, and I think, so we've kind of guesstimated that we think it's going to take us about two years ish, hopefully a little faster than that, but unsure. I'm curious how long did that process take you initially to get through the first certification? The initial year, it was a year. It took us a year and recertification took almost a year which we had not counted on because actually it was interesting. They did not tell us the change to the three years until we had already just finished our documentation for the two year. And they actually gave us a choice to submit your two year or wait until the third year. We actually submitted our two year and then didn't hear from them until six months later. And they said, no, no, it has to be three years. So we had to start over again with the recertification, but at least we had, some materials to start from but but i would say if you give yourself two years that's very reasonable you can do it in a year but i would say you have to have 
someone, an intern or someone there to really keep the ball rolling and be very persistent with B Corp. You know, when am I going to hear back from you? I have submitted, get the name of a person. Even some of the people who are your contact are very new at this. And we actually asked if the person we worked with was new because she was really lovely and her intentions were right, but she was not understanding our question about not being, you know, we kept asking, we think we're in the wrong category. Can you check on this for us? And being told, no, no. Uh, we were actually told that we should take it as a compliment that we were switched to agriculture because it was reinforcing the, the close relationship we have with farmers. And uh, I said, that's really lovely, but we don't own farms. <laughs> and that's uh, not a goal right now of us to own farms. And, and so it, it's a growing organization. So don't be afraid to ask questions and follow up. And if you don't hear from them, keep following up. Um, question, I mean, I don't know what category they'll put you in. We actually found that coffee has three categories. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's retail, manufacturing, and then there's agriculture. And so, you know, we actually do retail and manufacturing. So where do we fit in? And we actually felt the manufacturing one was more rigorous. So that's the one we, we should be housed under. So just double check what category they're viewing you through. And if there's any chance there's more than one category, make sure that you're clear up front based on your business, where you think you belong. It's so interesting. You bring that up. We had, um, Fiona Wilson from UNH on, on the show um, early on. And one of the things that she brought up is she was like, I think you might be in the wrong category. And sure enough, we went back and, and we were in the wrong size category. Um, so, which, which was interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I'm curious too, how thinking about as, as you kind of move forward, are there systems that, that you all have been able to put in place that have made it like marginally easier as you go into recertification or, or what is that? I, I think Paul having the intern will be very helpful because again, having someone who will actually map out the different areas. And then what my goal is to actually really look at opportunities for improvement. And then now, I mean, it, it's something I absolutely will not implement with my team till next year. We're in the rebuild mode, like everybody else with COVID. If I threw one more thing at my staff right now, I think that they would, you know, jump out the window because it's, I, I feel so fortunate that we have the team we do. We had to lay off 30 people. Um, and that was really hard for a business. Um, we had never had to lay people off, never really had to trim hours, any of that. And um, we had to make an executive decision after three months of keeping everyone. We had furloughed, we continued to pay benefits and then realized it actually was more important that we build a, a sustainable foundation to which we could bring people back. And so our team got very lean. There were 25 people who stayed on board. We had to close temporarily four of our five retail locations. Our flagship store remained open curbside. That's where the roastery is. The roastery remained open um, and really make and, and, and guaranteeing safety guidelines in place and people who didn't feel safe coming to work and not forcing people to come back before they were ready. So there's so much that we're working on and we've actually been able to recall, I think it's eight people that we've laid off. So that's been exciting. And some people decided to move. I don't know why you'd move from Maine now. Number two safest in the country working on getting to be number one. Um, uh, but really it's, um, it's really had us revisit how we 
what our model is, what's important. There are things, not only with B Corp, but there are things that we're building and we're doing an updated employee manual. And it was interesting even revisiting that, and this will all fit into B Corp, I hope. You know, our employee manual will include um, some statements. We need to make a land acknowledgement statement. It's really important. We're on tribal land and making an acknowledgement and honoring the land that we are on. Extremely important. We need to have our Chamber of Commerce here did a very bold statement about, um, you know, social justice. And so making sure that that statement isn't just something we sign, but it now will be something that is contained within our employee handbook. It's called the Solidarity Statement, and it has to do with you know, social justice and racism. And as a business, that's always been core to what we do, but now it's a matter of how do we go deeper? So having the timing of us really look at with B Corp, how do we, again, how do we look at where we were when we did the recertification last year? How do we learn from it? How do we get our staff more engaged? And how do we actually have an easier time of saying, oh, you know, here's the document. Here's the document. Here's the document. Oh, yeah, this was just done last year. Our PTO plan, well, guess what? We looked at what 2021 in the state of Maine is requiring. We're already doing it now. You know, it's that sort of stuff. We're trying to be better at documenting. So my hope is it'll still be a rigorous certification, but because of, because of COVID and having to have everything even more spelled out because of Black Lives Matter, not just saying it and having it, like our ads are very inclusive. The organizations we belong are inclusive, but having a written statement is a whole different thing. And having customers, when they say, prove it, I can say we do this, 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 and this. So it's, um, it definitely, but I think with the B Corp, it really gives you a framework it's a third party certification. And to me, it really is the whole company who we are as people. And we happen to do it through a business environment. You, you know, it's so interesting early on, as you were sharing your story, I was and about like the, the fair trade stuff. I, I had this question where I was like, so for consumers, how, how do consumers know who to buy from? And then I was like, silly, Look for the B Corp, right? Like you, look, you look for the B Corp certification, then you know, you know that that business has done their homework and is working towards, you know, leaving a better, better planet, better communities, stronger communities, all of the things. And I think that's interesting too, is if someone says, well, what is it? They've just opened a door for you to talk about it and talk about your company and why it's important. I remember in the early days and now obviously um, CBD means something a little different now than it did when we... When we started and um, we actually have owned the trademark to CBD in the coffee category and we did successfully win our first case against someone using it for a coffee product. But but I remember in the early days, um, it was when we opened actually our third location and our, cust- our I call them our true believers, the early customers called us CBD. And so we had these t-shirts made for the opening of the um, third location we were roasting and we did it like a movie sequel because at that time there were all these sequels and movies and so we had movie marquee signage and part three and the best is yet to come and better than Titanic like Titanic had just come out we are better than Titanic but we had CBD on the shirts and um, 
and people would come up to me on the street and say, what's CBD? And I was so embarrassed at first about how pretentious of me to think that people would know what it is. And then I had to sort of realize they just opened a door and I get to talk about my company. I get to talk about this business and the people who I work with. And so I think that it's things like B Corp is it's our responsibility when someone asks or they see the logo and they don't know what it means is telling them and then making sure that it's on our websites and it's on our, you know, our, any print that we're doing and the B Corp site, we're there, you know, having people, if they're looking for coffee, they're going to see us listed. If they're looking for something in Maine, B Corp's in Maine, there's a short list of people there. Um, but I do think that it's still in the very early stages, but I can tell you in the past year, even before COVID, we had more people contact, reaching out, wholesale accounts in particular, saying, I saw your B Corp business and that's important to me. Are there other like local B Corps either here in Maine? And I know that we're kind of few and far between here, but kind of across New England that, that you've done any kind of partnerships with or any kind of collaboration? Well, no, I'm excited that Allagash is now. Uh, because uh, number one, they're an amazing company. Um, they buy our coffee. <laughs> we have a good relationship. So now it's almost like as other people come on board, it's really exciting that we'll be able to work together on things. Um, there are other, you know, we haven't formalized a lot of other partnerships. It's been interesting. The people who've reached out, like there's a jewelry company on the West coast that, you know, if you buy our jewelry, I'll buy your coffee. And, you know, they're trying to create their own little list of people to buy from within their own company. So I think that it all was just starting to really become something deeper and then COVID has changed so much for many of us, but I, but I'm excited to see as more and more businesses in Maine. And it's something now, once I sort of figure out the crystal ball of fourth quarter, I can now look at who are people that we'd want to partner with more deeply. There are um, different online offerings. I'm looking at different um, themed experience boxes that I'm working on and working with main companies and trying to see if there are other B Corps who might want to be in the box with us. It's hard. There just aren't that many people certified, but that's where, again, I think our job is to make sure that, you know, we were looking at doing an informational meeting again. And right now, obviously getting people meeting in a space is a little more complicated. Um, but there has been discussion about in the state of Maine, could we even just within our group, um, for people who are interested, try and do something. Cool. And I'm curious too, if, if somebody comes up and just asks you, you know, what is B Corp? I'm curious, how do you, how do you explain it to folks? Well, you know, I have these handy little cards too. Oh, if you really want, you can take something home. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I love, I love it. It's so funny because it's like, what is B Corp? You know? You know, I, I mean, I mean, like here, but I think it's important that I, the word rigorous and you will learn this if you don't already. It is a rigorous process of uh, standards to meet social, environmental performance, accountability and transparency. Um, but basically that it is a global movement of people using business as a force for good, that we literally it's a matter of not just me telling you that we think we're really good people and three legged stool and all these things that some people have heard of. The, I'm hearing the three legged stool mentioned again lately, which makes me not feel so, so old. Um, but, um, you know, when we talk about why do we choose to get certified, we really feel that the B Corp ethos for inclusiveness is really captured in our tagline, which is everyone is welcome at our table, but it actually 
It's like, prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. So telling people there are all these things that we've said for so long, but now having a third party actually hold us accountable and that people can feel good in buying our product, not only because of our buying criteria, which yes, we are certified organic, but our focus is sustainable products and how do we define sustainable and then having B Corp shows, not only are we treating our farmers well, our selection of products is good, but it's how we conduct ourselves within our business. How do we treat our staff? How do we treat our community? That that's a really important piece of this. Um, it's interesting, I was reading last night about the Alan DeGeneres show and what was going on. And uh, I don't know if you've been following what's gone on, but it was a hostile work environment and there's a lot going on at the Alan show. And, and I was reading Ellen's statement and her follow-up since then, and, and it was interesting. She apologized. She said I, um, that she's an introvert by nature, which I find interesting because um, I am as well. I've had to learn to become an extrovert. But she said you get so busy, and when your business grows, you sometimes lose sight of the people you've hired to do the job. And what she realized is she'd hired people who were um, – doing what she was asking of them, but they weren't, um, they weren't very nice people and how they treated other people was not what she had, what was originally happening on the show. And I think that again, having something like B Corp as an owner, I hope my business will be busy. I hope I'll have a bigger picture that I'm working on. I'm hoping that we'll be around for years to come, but I have to hire other people to help keep doing the job and moving us forward. By having this as an expectation of how we all treat each other and how I as an owner am held accountable, it's really, really important because if a staff member comes to me and says, I, you know, wait a minute, but B Corp says we have to be doing this and I don't think we're doing that, really important. Um, we all, whether we're owners, founders, general managers, a barista, I mean, we have delivery drivers, I call them our ambassadors. They're the most important face for the deliveries, going out and representing our company. If they feel that something we're doing is not meeting the standards we've set for them, if we ourselves are not meeting those standards, they have every right to say, but B Corp, our approval, it's in our corporation um, the guidelines, it's everywhere infused in our company. If we're not living up to those standards, we need to understand why and how can we do better and as we grow, we cannot lose what made us. But I tell people we cannot forget the core values of what made us as a company. As we grow, um, COVID has been a good, a good uh, testing for us. We may have to choose how we actually get our product to the consumer. But if we lose who we are as a business, if we lose the values of who we are, just to make a buck, you can't earn your reputation back. Oh my goodness. Uh, awesome. This is so great. Thank you so much. Any final closing thoughts you want to leave with folks? You know, I think that, you know, whatever size your company is, is you can make a difference. You honestly can make a difference. And when I look at the ripple effect of a really small company like ours, when I hear the stories and it's incredible, the stories I hear now of farmers we've bought from and that they now you know, we invited um, a couple of years ago, the coffee conference was in Boston and we said, wouldn't it be great if this women and coffee group, if we could have them come to Maine and they, they don't see their product being enjoyed by customers. 
and everyone said, oh, no one will come and don't ask. And I think if anything is don't be afraid to dream, don't be afraid to ask, don't be afraid to be held to a higher standard um, because guess what? 25 people came <laughs> to Maine from that conference, 25 people from five different coffee countries. And they were here for 48 hours and it was the fastest 48 hours I've ever had. We were running around, they brought samples, we roasted their coffee, we scored their coffee, we gave them feedback, we let our retail customers and wholesale customers meet them, ask questions. They got to go to Portland Headlight, they got to see Maine. Um, we had a dinner that um, our governor, Janet Mills, came to greet them and you forget sometimes what it means to people that your governor sees us your governor took the time to come and greet us and i think what i'll leave you with is and this ties into so much is one of the amazing young women from guatemala who actually is in california now in coffee helping coffee farmers she got up there and on behalf of the group she said in 48 hours we've learned more than we did in the whole week of the conference and she said what i've learned is she goes you know those monkeys you know those and I she goes like the wisdom monkeys and I'm like you mean the and she goes and she's announcing to the group she goes what I've learned here is it's the opposite we need to open our eyes we need to listen and we need to realize we all have a voice and we need to use it that's what B Corp allows us to do we are a powerful force we have eyes that see things through a different lens, an important lens. We have ears that we hear the difference it makes and we have our voice. B Corp allows us to have that stamp of approval and it's a hard earned one and it's well-deserved, but now we need to make sure that we earn it every day and educate others why it's important and to invite people like you join it. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a review. It helps more folks like yourself find this podcast and resource. You might also enjoy our podcast, Renegades and Mavericks, where we interview folks that are breaking new ground in their field. You can check that out at renegadesandmavericks.com. And as always, check out the show notes if you want to learn more about Coffee by Design. I have links for you to their website, social feeds, all at responsiblydifferent.com. We're all in this together. Till next time, be responsibly different. This is a production of Deergo Collective, music composed by our own Kevin Oates. You can follow us on social media at Deergo Collective or visit our corner of the internet at deergocollective.com.